0: Well thanks Garrett and Jermaine. I'm privy to the acoustic set myself and so I love doing a little bit of an unplug thing. Well um, this morning we're actually going to be having a special guest here in a few minutes to help us reflect on our passage. Um, But before we get to that I just wanted to, to read it to you and maybe just get us going a little bit about thinking and reflecting about the final words that Jesus gives to his disciples, and they're recorded in the book of Acts. If you were unaware, the the book of Acts is really part two of Luke's gospel. All scholars and historians, they they believe that Luke and Acts were written by the same person, and what we actually discover is that Luke, the gospel is about the, the life, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus, and then he continues that in the writer of Luke into the book of Acts talking about the church and its mission and its early work in the first century. And so we'll be unpacking some of these things in the book of Acts in the coming weeks. But Jesus here in Acts chapter one, we're going to read verses six through 11, gives his final words to the disciples. And the story goes this way. Acts writes, or Acts reads, so when the apostles were with Jesus, They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. If anyone claims to know, they don't know, just for the record. That's what the Bible says. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained, strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. God, give us ears to hear this morning, we pray. Make us and continue to create us witnesses to your gospel and to the truth about who Jesus is. Amen. Well, I, I remember standing right outside her door that evening. My heart was racing. My palms were sweating. Doubt and hesitation began to flood my mind. The battle going on back and forth. Don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. You're going to make a fool of yourself. She'll be excited that you opened yourself up. She isn't interested. She's totally interested. Just a tug of war in my heart and my mind. And the thought finally went through my head. Just open the door and embrace the moment. Share what's been going on in your heart. So I did. I stepped inside and we both sat down We shared the necessary pleasantries and my heart was racing and adrenaline was coursing through my body. Do you know this feeling? That that moment when you're about to open up your heart to someone and you aren't sure how they are going to respond. Are they going to embrace you or are they going to reject you? So you had been on my mind at least for weeks, and you just you get to that point where you just can't shake it off, you can't ignore it. You have to just step into the unknown. The conversation got to the point where you're looking at each other awkwardly and she's waiting for the official agenda to begin. I know you wanted to talk about something, so why don't you just get it off of your chest now? And I did tell her, after all, that I wanted to talk about something. There was no going back at this point, no getting out of it. So I opened my mouth and I began to talk. So you're probably wondering what I wanted to talk to you about. I really... Just wanted to talk to you about something that's been stirring in my heart for a while. I don't think my heart at this point could have been beating any harder. You know the rush, that inner dialogue, just raging. You sound like an idiot. Stop talking. Just find any way out. But I just continued to stumble through my words that evening. Sam, short for Samantha, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Sam was my boss at Disney's Grand California Hotel and Spa, where I worked in the summer as a college student. That particular summer, I was interning with a youth ministry, and we were talking about being people who share and bear witness to our faith, to others that are in our lives. And it dawned on me that I wasn't one who was particularly inclined to this sort of witnessing or testifying to people, and so I I felt like I needed to go first. If I was going to be teaching this stuff, I had to do this stuff, and Sam was the unfortunate victim of my shoddy attempt to bear witness to my faith that evening. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, I could tell the whole thing was super weird and super strange. I don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations about faith where it's totally forced, and it's not natural. There's no build-up to it, but many of us, right, Christian or not Christian, can probably attest to that experience, sort of watching or hearing these poor attempts of people trying to share their Christian faith with you or with others. And that word evangelism, even for some of us, makes us cringe, right, on the inside because so, it's such a loaded term these days, but this is the stunning fact about the Christian faith that we see in the book of Acts. When we, what we see with the, the church being commissioned and sent in mission in the world. We see this. There isn't a single person in the New Testament who comes to faith in Jesus without another person, person having given their witness or testimony to them. That is, there's nobody who comes to know Jesus, there's nobody who comes to faith without somebody sharing that faith with them. Every person who comes to faith and decides to follow Jesus in the Bible always does so at the call and invitation of another person. People don't follow Jesus because of an experience. They don't follow Jesus by reasoning themselves into it alone. People have always and will always come to faith in Jesus through the personal witness of another person. That is the gospel is always shared in relationship. The text that we read this morning is a commissioning of sorts, it's a sending. We're getting to that point in the year where colleges are graduating, there's these commencement ceremonies and, and one of the things that you'll hear from all these commencement addresses is the speaker talking about how you're being sent into the world similarly This is Jesus's commencement with his disciples and he is sending them into the world on purpose and for a purpose. And his final words are given to them and and many of us who grew up in the church are familiar with them. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples initial response to that mission is one that we're familiar with as a church. As this scene sort of unfolds, Jesus ascends into heaven, which we'll be talking about next week, and the disciples simply gather there, and they stare and gaze up into the heavens. Like, where did he go? Of all the stories that happen in the scriptures, that, to me, by the way, is one of the most confounding. Like, what would it have been like to watch Jesus ascend into the heavens? But how often have we, as a church, made this the primary activity of our life in faith, we gather together. We think about what seem to be otherworldly things like God and grace and love and forgiveness and reconciliation and hope. And we just gaze and we reflect and we meditate and we think about such things in worship services and in Bible studies. And there's certainly a place for this. But it's also possible that we spend far too much time gazing into the heavens and need to be reminded from time to time, hey church, why are you just standing there staring into the heavens? Jesus has commissioned you for a purpose. The instruction Jesus gave to his disciples all those generations ago and to us today is to be a community of faith that isn't centrally about navel-gazing, about our religion and our faith. The commission of Jesus is to go and to be witnesses to him and to his kingdom. And the entire book of Acts is about this very activity. What would it look like if a church, if the church decided that we were going to be witnesses to the truth about Jesus and his kingdom. Bearing witness to the risen and ascended Lord, not as some past event, but as a present reality that is in our midst. In a couple weeks, we're gonna discuss how that begins to take shape in the life of the church. But for now, I wanna bring a special guest to offer us some reflections about what it means to be a church with living witness. Check this out.
1: Well, my name is Dan Hull and my wife and my two very young children moved to Ventura to pastor the church on January the 2nd, 1987. And we uh, lived and raised our kids in Ventura and in the church. And the kids were both very active in activities and ministry. And They gave a great blessing to both Lisa and I, my wife, and now we uh, live in Arizona, uh, northwest of Phoenix. We moved here in October 2018, and September 30th, 2018 was my last Sunday at the church and probably the most emotional day of my life other than the birth of my children, and I have been here now as a hospice chaplain, full-time, working to care for and minister to and love people who are in the last days of their lives. Some of that has been fairly benign. Some of it has been incredibly emotional. As what I've discovered when I have a patient that I care for, for more than three or four months, I develop a relationship. And a deeper kind of caring. God has given me the privilege to lead a number of those into faith. Mm. And the hospice for which I work has been very encouraging them in that. Mm. A lot of hospices don't want you to project any kind of personal faith or any kind of personal religion into a patient's life. So you have to learn how to open that door without it being in your face. And the Lord has really helped me with that. And some of these people that have come to faith remind me of how crucial that is for all of us. So we're living here and get to be a mile away from our daughter, son-in-law and two grandsons. Come on. And that's awesome. And we're enjoying it. Although we are moving into the heat season in Arizona. <laughs> two weeks ago, it was over a hundred every day.
0: Oh. Today...
1: Today, it's not bad. It's only going to be about 93. So we're adjusting. And interestingly enough, there's a couple that lives directly across the street that were in the church in Ventura when we first arrived there. Wow! And they moved into their home about six months before we did. So we share dinner together at least once a week at each other's homes. Wow. And that's been a really cool thing, too. That's
0: awesome. Small world. Would anybody in the church now know who those folks are?
1: I'm sure they would. Um, John and Suzanne McClellan.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think I've even heard those names. So I'm sure the churches there's some folks who know who they are. Yeah, Um, I'm sure they do. Well, it's good to be with you, no doubt, Dan. Thank Um, you, Aaron. We're having this just conversation about what it means to bear witness to Jesus and to our faith um, as he is, at work and kind of a, a beautiful testimony you've given there about how even in your work you've been able to find ways to bear witness to Jesus to those that you um, are ministering to um, but what are some other ways I know you have some reflections about how you think the church best bears witness in the world today bears witness to Jesus and to our faith or maybe you have some other reflections and some of the other things that you're thinking about but love to just hear some of your thoughts on that.
1: Well, the first thoughts I had were very different than what I'm going to express today. Obviously, after having pastored the church for 31 and a half years, there are lots of stories, lots of experiences, some good, some I just as soon forget. However, the church came to a point in 1992, which was a crisis. And what I discovered during that crisis and the outside help that we had to get through it is that the message, the mission, the ministry of the local church has to start at the top. Mm-hmm. And I had to come through a breaking experience and it was tough on me. It was tough on my kids. It was tough on my wife. However, I needed it. And it was a breaking for humility. It was a breaking for Attitude, and it was a breakthrough for my understanding of who God wanted me to be as the pastor of the church. Hmm. And I will never say that it was easy. Another really tough thing. However, the lesson I learned in that I carry with me today. We were at that point in the church, and it was partly because of me, mainly because of me, pretty arrogant. We thought we had the world by the tail and we were doing the suit and tie and feeling pretty prim and proper. Mm. And that's okay. However, the struggle with it was anybody who walked in the door that wasn't prim and proper Mm. and well-dressed in no way felt like they belonged there. Mm. And some of that arrogance and some of that haughty spirit that was coming from me was being projected throughout the church Mm -hmm. and that breaking experience brought all of us to a place where we began to understand that there was one crucial question that we all have to ask if we're going to be the ones to bear witness to jesus in a world that now a lot of people don't even understand who he is if we're going to do that i would meet with people, and I'd run into people, and I'd think, oh, man, do I have to love that person? I have to hang out with that person? Seriously? And I began to ask the question, how would Jesus love this man? Mm -hmm. How would Jesus love this woman? How would Jesus love this teenager? And the answer was always the same, with all of his heart enough to die for well, what do you want me to do? The exact same thing. Mm. Love them enough with all your heart to be willing to die for. And mm. I'm not going to say that it was a fast learn or an easy learn or a completed learn. However, it began to shift the attitude of my spirit in the church. Mm. But the shift had to happen in me as the pastor first and I think you know now from some of the people that there are people in the church today that had felt abandoned, had felt cast out, pushed away by some church sometime, and the blessing in all of that attitude, what would Jesus do? Well, love him with all his heart and die for him. The blessing in that, is that we began to see people come back to church who'd been away for decades. We began to see people who'd never been in a church, feel like, man, this is family. Mm. And I remember there was a young man, probably, I don't know, 25, very smart, and worked uh, in a pretty high position in accounting. And he came to church because a friend of his came to church. And He sat in the third row, which visitors don't usually do. And he was wrapped. And after it was over, he introduced himself and he said, I've been a Catholic all of my life. I've been a devoted Catholic. My parents are devoted Catholics. However, when I go to church, I always felt like it was kind of going to God's office. Hmm. And there was always an agenda. And when the agenda was done, I was escorted out of the office. When I came into this church today, I felt like I was in God's living room and God was sitting with me simply telling me how much he loved me. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what I needed to feel, to hear, and to receive today. Mm -hmm. And those kind of things that happened decades ago were the kinds of things that helped me to know, yeah, this is the direction we have to go as a church. Mm -hmm. And the Lord taught me that the people I never would have hung out with, the people I never would have sat down to have coffee with, the people whose homes I'd never entered Mm. were just the kind of people that Jesus wanted me and the church to love. Mm. And that not only brought a healing to me, it brought an incredible healing to the church in a pretty amazing time of crisis. Mm. And if we can carry some of that attitude, some of that, Okay, with all my heart enough to die for, if we can carry that kind of spirit, that's really the witness that the world needs to see and experience and know today more than anything else.
0: Yes, one of the things as you're talking there, Dan, that I'm, I'm thinking about a lot is we usually think about witnessing through like verbal communication, right? When you right. say a witness in like a, a court case or something, it's always somebody's yes. verbal testimony but what you seem to be talking about isn't quite that exact thing. You have these, this emphasis on, on loving people. What do you think it is about that activity of love that I don't want to say is more powerful, because some people, they are kind of witness to, through oh, yeah. The, yeah. the Holy Spirit and the, the proclaimed word, but there's something really unique about the embodiment of witness as an act of love Um, Why do you think that speaks or became the direction of the church all those years ago?
1: Well, I know it was something that had to change in me. Hmm. That was, you know, that was the first step. However, what I've learned in all these years since then is that we live in a world where people, whether they admit it or not, have this cry in their heart. I just want to be loved. I just want somebody to genuinely love me and to love me without any expectation of return. And that was hard. That was hard for me Mm. to love people without any expectation of return, Mm. to love them, not to get them to church, to love them, not to get them saved, to Mm. love them, not to make them like me, God help me, Mm. but to simply love them because that's what their heart cried out for. And if something good rose out of that, well, then God gets the credit. God gets the glory. And today, more than ever, people are suspicious. People are cynical. And I think people are struggling to trust organized religion, the church, leadership, because some of that we've done to ourselves as Christians, some of that the greater world has done to us and for us. So I think we have to rise up in an even bigger way to meet the cry. Will somebody please love me?
0: Hmm. I love the way that you're, you're saying or talking about how you have to love without agenda. You know, sometimes yeah. in the yeah. church, we, we think about sort of loving or serving or bearing witness and we, we do it, we think I, th- I think with like a good agenda, like we want right. To no, know absolutely. People. We want people to follow Jesus, and one of the things though, that we can be tempted is that if our activity of love doesn't accomplish some end that we think that it should, like grow our church, right. then then we cease to love, rather than recognizing that when when a witness bears testimony, like in a court. they're going to bear testimony, honestly, regardless of what the jury's going to do. It is like the, the, the task of the witness is to witness, not to manipulate or coerce somebody into some sort of ultimate decision. That can be hard, right? Sometimes it is, it's incredibly difficult because
1: even now, when I go for my first visit with a patient, I think, well, okay, does this person need Jesus? Do I need to have to, say something that will be attractive to them, and I have to challenge myself before I step into the door. My only mission is to love and to care. Mm. What comes from that isn't up to me. Mm. That's up to the Lord. My only mission is to do it well and be sure that even if it's a whisper, I'm giving God the glory and asking for his help. Mm. Because in my own life, in my own heart, that's a very unnatural thing. Mm. However. That's part of what Christ wants to change in our nature yeah. as His followers, yeah. to reach beyond what's natural, to be different than our nature, and begin to be shaped by His nature.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things we're going to be jumping in a couple of weeks at Pentecost is the, the sending of the Holy yeah. Spirit. But like in our yeah. text this morning, like it, like Jesus says to the disciples, "You will have power when the Holy Spirit yes. comes on you." And I think part of that we think of I don't. I don't know, I've always sort of thought of it ambiguously, like, I guess that means I can be like a super Christian or, you know, I don't know, like <laughs> an ultimate, but, but it's almost like in order to bear faithful witness to Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us because it's so unnatural to love yes. in the way that you're describing. It is. It is.
1: It's contrary to pretty much everything the world teaches us. Hmm if you don't get something out of it, why do you do it? Hmm. And I've learned, I can't do that because it diminishes and falsifies my spirit of love.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Um, wh- what do you think is the fruit of bearing witness in the way that you're talking about it? You know, we're, we're talking about how we don't want, an, we're, not, we're not driving towards some end or some right. you know vision and 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 bearing witness or loving people is the strategy that, that gets us there. Um, but the scriptures you know often use the imagery of fruit bearing and as we, we live in Christ and we abide in him, our lives bear fruit of the church. What do you think it is that is the result of faithful witness to Jesus? You know sure our churches might get bigger and people will come to know faith, but is there anything else that you might throw in there as something that bears fruit in the lives of the church as we bear witness to Jesus.
1: Yes. I'm absolutely convinced that I'm going to paraphrase this, but the scripture that says you do good things for me and then give me the credit. And I think what Jesus is saying is if you do what I ask you to do, if you love people without an agenda, if you love people with all your heart, if you love people enough to die for them, Mm. then he gets the glory for that. Mm. And if we're glorifying him, Mm. I think that's the most attractive result Mm. because I used to tell people, if you can just believe a little bit of how much God loves you, you won't be able to stay away from it because nobody else can love you that much that way Mm. without an agenda. and. Unfortunately, the history of the Christian church has had an agenda. Hmm. Well, you know, once you become a Christian, you'll be like this and you'll do that and you won't do this and you won't do that. And I just tell people, let him love you and see what he does. Hmm. And I think that is an incredible witness.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Any other sort of reflections, you know, you had about bearing witness or stories of any stories in which you you felt like the church in this moment or in this event or whatever just bared faithful witness to jesus Um, as you think about the history of our church is there anything that stands out to you
1: and i did think about that a lot as well yeah
0: and i think
1: probably if I can talk about it without getting too emotional. Um, about, and it's probably been 10 or 11 years ago now, on a Sunday morning, a great, big, strong man walked into the back of the church and sat down in the back row. I'd never seen him. Nobody knew him. And Lisa, my wife, after she finished singing, saw him back there. And so she went and sat on the other end of the row. And this man all of a sudden just started to sob. Hmm. And so she went back to the sound booth area and grabbed a box of tissue. And she slid it over to him. And he used the whole box. (laughs) And he walked out the door before the service was over. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know who he was, but obviously you were speaking to him. And he did that for probably two months. He'd come in and he'd sit in the back. He'd get there late and he'd leave early. And then one day he came up to me after a service and he said, "Will you have breakfast with me and talk to me?" Absolutely. I don't even know the man's name. So we met at a little place over there. Um, can't remember now, Roost or something. I can't remember what the name of it is. But anyway, uh-huh. not too far from the church. Oh, Galloping Hen. Oh Galloping yeah, yeah Galloping Ham. And we met there, and he knew everybody in the place because he'd go there every day. And he began to tell me this broken story of a tragic life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have an agenda, I just listened. And he said, When I came to church, I felt like God wanted me there. I said, Okay, I agree. He said, He'd driven by the church since he was a kid. And he's about, At this point, he's probably eight years older than I am. So he was no kid now. Right. And then he told me his life story. He probably had more money than anybody I've ever known, but he didn't talk about that. He talked about the heartache and the disappointment and the brokenness of achieving all the things he'd ever wanted to achieve, Mm -hmm. and it was never enough. And he was a, among other things, he was a fighter pilot trainer at uh, Lemoore Naval Air Station. And he had amazing gifts and amazing abilities. And when my daughter, Courtney, went down to San Diego, we'd have breakfast together. And he'd say, you know, Dan, that's a dangerous place for Courtney to be. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, it's just a dangerous place. It's too close to the border. It's dangerous. He said, I get DOD memos. And okay. I don't, well, let me just tell you this. If she ever gets in trouble, you call me. I've got guys and I've got weapons and we'll <laughs> go get her one way or the other. And then he got Lou Gehrig's disease mm-hmm. and he suffered through that for about a year. And the last time I knelt down next to his bed. He couldn't move, but he could still talk a little bit. And he said, for the first time in my life, I know this isn't the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And I believe God's called me to a mission when I get to heaven. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I know they don't need evangelism because they're all going to be saved and they're all going to know Jesus. but..." I still think the kids who are in heaven are going to need somebody to teach them how to ride a horse. And I want to teach them how to ride a horse. And two days later, he was gone. And he taught me that a simple box of Kleenex can transform a life when it's a gift of love to a hurting heart. And that's the kind of stuff I think God calls us to do Mm -hmm. without expectation, without agenda. Here's a box of Kleenex. I can see you're struggling Mm -hmm. and I didn't go after him. Mm -hmm. He came after me and I don't think I could have gone after him. Had I gone after him, I think he would have closed the door in my face. However, once he felt like it was safe and without judgment, Mm -hmm. then he came after me. And that's who we have to be as the church, safe, without judgment.
0: I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. Thank you for sharing, sharing that story, Dan. Just about. uh it, it is in so many ways just those little acts of love. That yes. Are more profound and much larger in the scheme of someone's life. Yes, never really meant them to be. And when we live persistently in that, that mode, we have no idea what God might do. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. And he'll do it right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He has a great okay. agenda. He has a great agenda. Yep. Well, thanks for being with us, Dan. Um, well,
1: thank you, Pastor Aaron, for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll maybe be able to do it again at some point in time, depending on how long this live stream thing goes. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, I want to thank Pastor Dan for making time to be with our church this morning. Uh, One of the things I hope that you grabbed from that conversation and from the scriptures that we read is that we as a church in 2020 stand within this tradition of people who bear witness to Jesus by extending love in unexpected ways in the world around us. It's a story that we read throughout the book of Acts is that this is a church and a people who, who love not just those who are part of their community but love the surrounding community that might not claim to be believers. It's a story that is the tradition of our church here at Powerhouse Church that we are people who extend the Kleenex box to our neighbors and to strangers as an opportunity to bear witness to the love of God that, has been, that we have received ourselves And my encouragement to us as a church in these days and weeks is to be persistent in love, to be a church and a people who during this pandemic are not just looking for opportunities to sort of shrink back and sit in our homes, but that we would be discovering various opportunities that are presenting themselves to love our neighbors. Perhaps it's a phone call to uh, a family member who's a little bit older, who doesn't have anybody to care for them. Perhaps it's through, I heard uh, Holly is making masks for her friends and for her family. Perhaps it's getting groceries or cooking meals or whatever it is, but that we would, as a church, bear witness to Jesus in these days through, an ex, through our participation in God's love for us. Let's be that kind of church I wanna be that kind of church. And I imagine there are many who want to be this kind of church. May we be known by our love. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you are one who's revealed in Jesus. And what we see about you in the person of Jesus is that you love deeply. This is the character that most marks your kingdom. And our longing as people is that we would bear witness to our king and to his kingdom by being people who are formed by love, extending it into our world today. May we be a church that's not bearing witness merely to past events, but may we as a church bear witness to the very present reality that you are loved today by embodying your love in our lives. And when we do this, God, when we are faithful, to the commission and mission that we've been sent on as a church, may you receive the glory and may people come to know you. And it's in name of Jesus, our King and our risen Lord, that we pray. Amen.